In 2020, the Pentagon will follow a new policy for what it calls middle-tier acquisition for rapid prototyping and rapid fielding. The law authorizing it dates to 2015, but the final rule only came out New Year's Eve. It gives more authority over bigger acquisitions to the Undersecretary of Defense for Acquisition and Sustainment and takes it away from the armed services. For one view of what this might mean, we turn to federal sales and marketing consultant Larry Allen. And Larry, first give us the context of what this is all about. It sounds like they're changing the way they buy a very distinct class of product or a very distinct method of acquisition. Tom, that's kind of one of the problems that led to the issuance of this rule, which is how do you define a middle-tier acquisition to begin with? I mean, it's supposed to be something that is not a big weapon system, and yet middle-tier acquisitions have been used, uh, that authority has been used to buy a lot of things that certainly look like, while not top-of-the-line major weapon systems, certainly weapon systems that can be used in specific theaters and specific circumstances. So the guidance uh, came directly from Congress, who said, wait a minute, we want DOD to have more of a handle on how it's going to use this rapid deployment authority, and what's the best way to do that? Typically, it's to try to centralize the decision-making authority. So the guidance that came out from Pentagon uh, here at the tail end of 2019 does just that. It takes away some of the freedom that the individual service branches had and tries to centralize it in uh, the Office of the Undersecretary for Acquisition and Sustainment. And when they call it middle-tier acquisition, MTA, sounds like vendors are going to be like Charlie on the MTA. How do I get on this train? How do I get off? (laughs) They never return. (laughs) Right. Are they talking about a dollar level or some kind of technological mean? What do they mean by middle-tier? Well, that's part of the question, too, and that's, that's why it's a good thing to talk about. We're talking about systems that would be up to $200 million in terms of prototyping on an annual basis and up to a billion dollars to actually get something in the field. That's the technical term. Uh, anything that exceeds that would be automatically classified as a major weapon system. And yet we've seen agencies... Uh, to using the MTA authority to get things into the field pretty quickly that are right at, if not a little bit over, those dollar thresholds. And I think there's a good reason for that. Look, it's not like the service branches woke up one morning and decided, hey, we really need to do this. There had been direction from Congress and from senior Pentagon officials to close the perceived technology gap between the U.S. and other countries that led to the uh, authority to do rapid acquisitions in the first place, and as such, agencies wanted to make maximum use of that authority so they could get meaningful warfighter systems out into the field much more quickly. The new policy that came out at the end of the year doesn't undo that, but I think it's going to lead to a little bit more of the traditional tug-of-war we see between decentralized organizations that kind of feel like they know what's best for their individual organizations and can move more quickly, and central office people who are looking at things more strategically and say, wait a minute, we need to make sure that uh, we're using this authority smartly uh, and in a way that complies with the original authority Congress gave us. So if a vendor is 
dealing with a member of the armed services acquisition official and the program under the MTA that they're dealing with rises $1, say, over that $200 million threshold or into the threshold where it would go up to the Undersecretary of Defense for Acquisition and Sustainment, that vendor could find themselves dealing with a whole new approval process right in the middle of the acquisition? A new approval process in the middle of the acquisition is certainly a possibility, Tom. So yes, a lot more work involved. But even if you have a a project that is uh, proceeding on MTA authority that's already been granted by a service branch, look, uh, the Undersecretary for Acquisition and Sustainment still has the ability to look at that project and decide whether or not it really meets the official MTA criteria. So you could potentially even have a change in status of a project that you've already begun working on. We're speaking with Larry Allen. He's a federal marketing and sales consultant now with BDO. And that leads to kind of a bigger question for 2020, and that is the entrance of innovative and new and non-traditional suppliers into the federal market. Always a question. Do you think that the the conditions favor that more as we go into this next, and now there's there actually is a fiscal year going as of a couple of weeks ago. Is the ability of those types of vendors to enter the market enhanced, do you think, in the coming year, or is it the same or maybe a little worse? Tom, I'm going to be a little bit pessimistic here, uh, not just because of the topic we uh, finished talking about that adds some new steps to a rapid deployment uh, capability, because not a lot of new market entries are going to work on projects of that size. But overall, I'm sensing in the market, particularly the DOD market, look, we want rapid, we want innovative, but we also want secure, and we also want to make sure that we've got our cyber boxes all checked. And I think those are just a couple of things that are going to raise some barriers to market entry for small and innovative firms. There are a lot of uh, firms out there, Tom, that offer some technologies that DOD, DHS, and other federal agencies would like to take advantage of, uh, particularly now when uh, we're concerned about potential cyber retaliation for some of the things that we've been doing in the Middle East. Uh, people have uh, solutions that can be put to use very quickly. But uh, you know, there's a big barrier in both attitudinally about, you know, hey, look, these are new people. How can we trust them with this type of work? But there are also going to be some barriers now in terms of where do they get their solution from, who are their suppliers, who are their partners. Uh, we have to do some additional fact-checking. That's going to slow the process down. And I think that while we're still going to see homage being paid to innovation, I think it's going to come with an asterisk that we haven't seen in the last couple of years. All right, so it's kind of a mixed outlook then for people wanting to get into the market. And, of course, getting back to the issue of the MTA at the Defense Department, if in the middle of an acquisition the rules change or at least the authority changes because of the threshold of dollars, then that kind of feeds into the old canard that companies sometimes have of, I'm not going to bother with the federal government because they're so complicated to do business with. Well, I think that's exactly right, and that's a concern certainly that some are going to have specifically with the issuance of this new DOD guidance. But uh, if we've been listening, uh, as we should have over the last few months, about some of the things that are going on 
and not just with supply chain or cyber, but you know, small business use and you know who are your uh, who are your compatriots and what is exactly being used in your office, whether or not it's supporting an actual federal contract. You know, these things all start to add up to the cost and expense and overhead of doing business with the government. Tom, and it plays into the hands well of experienced large companies whose business is the federal government. But if you are a smaller or medium-tier company out there, you may decide that, look, this expense, this overhead is just something you simply can't absorb. So you're either going to stay out of the market or you're going to come in in such a way that uh, you try to distance yourself from some of these requirements. Larry Allen is a federal sales and marketing consultant now with BDO. As always, thanks so much. Tom, I thank you, and I wish your listeners happy selling. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.